Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Yesner. And I'm KW Taylor. Today, we're discussing two movies, the horror thriller The Black Phone and the comedy drama Do Revenge. <laughs> I don't know how similar these are going to be. <laughs> well, I just realized that yours has Ethan Hawke and mine has Maya Hawke. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> Maya Hawke is, of course, Ethan Hawke's daughter. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. Weird. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you pick the black phone this weekend? Well, uh, yes, I just watched this last night, and it only recently dropped on Peacock. This did come out in the theaters in late 2021. And I think when I noticed it was, well, actually, it was in theaters more like widespread in June of 2022. So it's kind of okay. like been making some festival circuits and then COVID delays and whatnot. Anyway, I just recently subscribed to the full version of Peacock and noticed that it had dropped on there very recently. Okay. And it's in the word, you know, easing into deeper spooky season. <laughs> and I was like, yes, let me let me watch this. And it also, <laughs> I have to say part of the reason for watching it when I did was I noticed it was only an hour and 40 some minutes long. So <laughs> it's like, like me a good short. I started it kind of late. And I'm like, yes, this is under two hours. I can handle it. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So if you're looking for just just over that 90 minute sweet spot, I think it's like a f 103 minutes. So okay. yeah, so this is I don't know how much you know about this, but it is a semi supernatural horror slash thriller. It's, it's all scary, but it's kind of like multiple sub scary genres sort of mashed together. Okay. And it's actually based on a short story by Joe Hill, which I did not realize yeah. going into it. Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. And sometimes lately I've been enjoying Joe Hill's stuff even more than his dad's because I weirdly feel like Joe Hill is sort of writing the kind of stuff that King was writing in like the late 70s, early 80s when it was a little bit more supernatural. Okay. Stephen King's later stuff lately has been a little bit more grounded in reality, but but still, you know, upsetting and stuff. I think he's moving farther from pure horror. And this is this is a little more cemented in that kind of the same vein as it, but on a much smaller scale. Okay. So and speaking of scale, it is very small. It is very contained. Um, a lot of it takes place in just one room. So it's got a claustrophobic feel. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So basically the premise, this is set in 1978 in a like suburb of Denver, I think, Colorado. Yeah, Denver, Colorado. And there's been a series of abductions where kids are going missing in the neighborhood. And the rumor mill is saying that someone who's been nicknamed the grabber is taking these kids. And it seems to be mostly preteen and teen boys. And we focus on siblings Finney and Gwen Blake, and they are like, I think she's about 11 or 12, and he's like 12 or 13, and they're very close. They are being raised by their alcoholic father, who is played by Jeremy Davies in a very twitchy, upsetting role, oh. and their mom has died. And so Finney and Gwen are kind of 
very protective of each other and and again very close they like to hang out together and they have a really cute kind of bantery sibling relationship but you can tell there is a little bit of a trauma bond between them mm-hmm. finney is played by mason thames and gwen is played by madeline mcgraw and finney is on his school's baseball team he's the pitcher he's it seems like he's pretty good, but he also seems to have some anxiety about his performance. And there's a really touching scene early on where one of his, one of the players who also lives in the same suburb, but he's on a different team, gets a home run off of him and yet still compliments him for having a good, a good pitching arm. And I thought that was like really kind of this other kid. Oh, yeah. But there's the sense that the town itself is kind of, mired in a little bit of like community violence in addition to the grabber the the dad is a little bit well not a little bit he is abusive he does like take a belt to the kids and they show some stuff at home that's really traumatizing but you get the sense that part of the problem there is his alcoholism and the fact that his wife uh you find partway through the film had committed suicide and had had some psychosis before that so He's he's in a lot of pain. But anyway, the grabber kidnaps a friend of Finney's and Gwen starts to have psychic dreams about the kidnapping. Oh, she tells the kidnapped kid's sister that she saw black balloons at the site of the kidnapping. And so the police come to talk to her and she's kind of like, I don't know, I just dreamed it. They're just dreams. Let's not read too much into this because she's like, I don't want this attention. And her dad gets really upset when she seems to say things that are premonitions and stuff mm-hmm. because that was part of her mom's psychosis. Ooh. But the police are like, well, there were black balloons at the kidnapping. So you must know more than you're letting on. And and then eventually Finney encounters a black van um, as he's walking home from school. And this very strange looking man played by Ethan Hawke whose face is kind of powdered and he's wearing big sunglasses and a big black tall top hat he drops some stuff outside of his van accidentally and he's like oh you want to help me and then he's like I'm a magician would you like to see a magic trick and of course he's the grabber and kidnaps him oh yikes yeah so Finney ends up in this basement with just like a mattress on the floor and it's really really grim and there's this black phone on the wall of the basement but it's uh its cord has been cut and so it doesn't work but he keeps kind of playing with it because there's nothing in the basement and the grabber comes back but this time he's wearing this really upsetting mask that's like a full face mask it's kind of like chalk colored and it doesn't have a mouth, but it's got little horns. Oh. And he's being super creepy. And he's like, yeah, don't bother with that. That's never worked since I was little, implying that this was his childhood home. Okay. But I can't get too much beyond that. But Finney has to figure out how to get out. And there is some stuff with the phone and there are some supernatural things, and there's some ghosty things and some ESP things. And we see his struggle trying to figure out some means of escape. We see his sister having premonitions and trying to figure out stuff on her own. 
we see Ethan Hawke's character kind of being weird and crazy, and we're not sure of his motivations. But I will say it's super upsetting if seeing kids in danger is not super fun. Uh, (laughs) Like if it's especially traumatizing to you, like this is really not a good movie. I will say, though, even though there are some scenes that are a little bit bloody, it's not actually that gruesome. It's mostly like it's rated R, but it's mostly language. And there are some scenes where kids get into fistfights with each other, but it's not really that crazy okay mostly the 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 tension comes from this this guy is crazy he's you know a serial child abductor and he keeps wearing these different masks some of the masks cover his eyes some of them cover his mouth some of them cover his whole face but other than the scene where he actually abducts finney we don't and even that he's wearing weird makeup we don't really see his face and his voice is very muffled and it's like this uncanny nature of like you know what is his goal what is his motivation it's really disturbing and the frustration of this kid who is smart enough to figure out certain things about his environment and like intuit ways that he could try to escape but he's still also kind of little and you know you physically can't you know, you're, you're short, you're small, you're, you know, struggling against your environment. So there's a lot of things of like, there's a, there's a slight video game feel to it or escape room feel of like, okay, what can I use in my environment to figure out how to, you know, get past these traps and locks and things. And so that part is compelling, but also incredibly frustrating to go through with him and try to figure out how to get out. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very tense. It's really well written. Um, and I think it's interesting that it's set in the late 70s, which kind of explains some of the technology. But also, that was an era where the idea of stranger danger and child abduction was only just kind of starting. Mm-hmm. Like prior to the early 80s, when Johnny Gosh was kidnapped, who was a paperboy um, who was abducted and never found. The police would often assume that a a kid, even somebody as young as 10 or 13, if they went missing, they would assume that they ran away from home and not that some crazy person kidnapped them and did something to them. Yeah. And so this is that era where we're starting to have that turn of the police and families figuring out, oh, no, there's actually truly gross people out there that are wanting to hurt children. So I think it was kind of like a couple of different reasons why it was set when it was. Mm-hmm. But Ethan Hawke is deeply disturbing. He usually, he doesn't always play villains. His character in Moon Knight is a little bit also creepy. But, you know, he usually plays like these, you know, troubled young men who are trying to do right by the world, but they're you know, yeah. strug- struggling and angsty and whatever, but not really, and, and sometimes actual heroic characters, but he doesn't really play villains. And in fact, he would avoid, deliberately avoid playing villains. But I read that he was so taken by the script and the story and thought it was really interesting. So he went ahead and decided to play someone a little bit against type. Yeah. And I think it works that like he has that very gentle voice and oh my goodness, it's just so creepy coming out of this <laughs> masked kidnapper. So yeah, very upsetting. If you like it, this is, you know, like I said, very much in that same okay. vein. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really creepy, but I'm interested <laughs> in watching it. I think you would like it. There is there is a quality that reminds me of 
The Haunting of Hill House, because it, in addition to the supernatural and the thriller elements, there is this idea of family trauma and, you know, drama of trying to get past that and heal. And I do feel like there's some, even though it is dark and upsetting, there are also some triumphant positive moments. Okay. So cool. Yeah. But you watch, you watched Ethan's daughter, Maya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that worked out in an interesting way. Yeah, we did not plan that. So Do Revenge is a Netflix movie. And mm-hmm. I've recently finished Stranger Things over the summer. Mm-hmm. And I really liked Maya Hawk. I really liked Robin. So mm-hmm. I saw this was coming out. And I was like, oh, I'd love to see Maya Hawk in something else. So this is... um. Technically, I guess, a black comedy, although it does get very dramatic at times. Let's see. Camilla Mendez stars as Drea, who is... So it takes place at a high school. These are high school kids. These are very Mm -hmm. rich high school kids. So I had to, like, suspend my disbelief a little bit. (laughs) Because they're, like, (laughs) obnoxiously rich. Ew. Yeah, like, the school is a campus, and... There's like a farm at the school and I'm just like, this is so far removed from my high school experience. (laughs) (laughs) So I had to get over that a little bit. But Drea is, you know, one of the popular girls on campus and she's dating Mm -hmm. one of the popular boys, Max. And the first like 20 minutes are kind of all set up. And what happens is that he convinces her to make like an intimate video and she sends it to him, and then it anonymously gets released to the school. And he's like, oh, oh my god, the, uh, I got hacked. You know, like a dumb dummy. <laughs> a dumb dummy. Like a dumb dummy. <laughs> and I was going to say something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she sort of becomes a social pariah, and uh, it's just really gross, and I'm like, this is terrible. And then over the summer, that happens like right at the end of junior year. And over the summer, she is teaching at a tennis camp and meets Maya's character, who is named, oh, (laughs) she's named Eleanor. And at one point, Eleanor has to drive her home because Drea's car isn't working. And they sort of bond over shared trauma. And Eleanor like overheard some of the girls talking in the bathroom and was like, I find out, I found out who like, who spread the the video and stuff. Oh yeah. And then she tells Drea that a couple years ago, so Eleanor is a lesbian and mm-hmm. there was a rumor a couple years ago that she held a girl named Carissa down and tried to kiss her mm-hmm. and it was false And she just kind of became an outcast because she, you know, seemed like the predatory lesbian. So they sort of bond over that. And then Eleanor ends up coming to the same school in senior year. So they are outsiders, you know, and you see very early on that Eleanor is reading Strangers on a Train. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Getting ideas. Yeah, getting ideas. Well, actually, it's not even her idea, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But they're just, like, commiserating in the bathroom at, at one point, 
and Drea comes up with the idea that they should do each other's revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Just like normal high school things, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So Eleanor is tasked with taking down Max and his friends and Drea takes down Carissa and Drea's kind of like, oh, this is going to be so easy. (laughs) (laughs) So the two different storylines are Carissa works at the the school's farm. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> and Drea starts working there as well. And she has to like sort of ingratiate herself because, you know, she was popular for so long. And Carissa is not convinced that she, you know, takes the farm seriously and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, she meets russ who is played by rish shaw who we saw in ms marvel oh he was comran in in that okay he has blue hair here so it took me a while (laughs) to recognize (laughs) but he also works at the farm and you know they're in that sort of environmentally conscious clique of of friends but Drea starts to get a crush on Russ. So mm-hmm. she's trying to kind of take down one of his best friends. Oh. Yeah. But also starts to develop a crush on him. So it gets a little bit complicated. Mm-hmm. And then Eleanor's storyline is Drea gives her a makeover because you can't have a teen movie without a makeover sequence. <laughs> <laughs> and she ingratiates herself into the popular crowd so she and she does it in a very interesting way she just does it by being like really standoffish oh (laughs) and like there's a scene where she's there with her headphones and max tries to talk to her and she's like texting drea and drea's like you could only say cool and you could only say it three times (laughs) 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 and and it works he's interested so um, she starts hanging out with the popular kids and yeah, they're sort of like living this double life. They're friends away from school and they're like giving each other updates. But then at school, like Eleanor is trying to hang out with Max and all of the other popular kids, including his new girlfriend, Tara, who is one of Drea's old friends and all of all of Drea's old friends, basically. Mm-hmm. And then things, as they do in teen black (laughs) comedies, kind of blow up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, it's very interesting. I don't want to give a lot away because there are some really good twists. Cool. And I was like, ooh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I see what you're doing now. Yeah, I think it's really fun. It gets really uncomfortable at at points. Maya Hawk is really, really good. Also, Camila Mendez is really good, but they have sort of different characters to portray. Isn't she, is she Veronica on Riverdale? She is someone on Riverdale. I think. I'm not going to look it up. Okay. <laughs> I actually follow her on TikTok, but I don't remember oh. which person she plays on Riverdale. But okay, anyway. she—you're correct. She plays Veronica. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. 
<laughs> I have never seen Riverdale, so. <laughs> I watched season, most of season one, and it was good, and I, for some reason, got stalled out on it, but it wasn't because I wasn't enjoying it. It is pretty fun. Okay. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's cool. So that, that actually brings up while I went to the IMDP page, I forgot that Eleanor actually has a love interest played by Talia Ryder. Her name's Gabby. Mm-hmm. She's actually Max's sister. <laughs> oh. So things get really complicated because Eleanor's sort of trying to be popular around Max and then around Gabby, she's just kind of like her normal nerdy self and gabby's like why are you hanging out with my brother so much and stuff like that mm. so it's very yeah it's very tight tightrope line to walk uh, that doesn't make sense but you know what i'm saying i know what you mean. <laughs> she's walking a thin line thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um yeah i don't think i want to give anything else away but mm-hmm. i think this is very fun it is just under two hours so i can't recommend it like a 90 minute movie Mm -hmm. if you want something quick but i was talking to my friend aaron a couple days before this and i don't remember how it came up but she was just like i would like to see more female characters allowed to be unhinged (laughs) (laughs) and then i watched this and i was like oh this is this is just female characters getting to be unhinged Mm. That's good. Yeah, if you're into that, if that's something that you like to see, I think you would (laughs) enjoy this movie a lot. Cool. Like I said, it does get uncomfortable at times, and I'm like, you guys are making a bad decision. (laughs) 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 And I can't get behind them and stuff like that. But I think it turns out really well, and I think think it's written pretty well. Mm -hmm. And all of the... All of the twists and turns sort of make sense in the end. And I really, yeah, I just, by the end, I was really, really satisfied. And then I kept thinking about it for days. So mm-hmm. I think that is the mark of, of a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I recommend it. All right. Yeah. I'm, I <laughs> have wanted to see it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I do think that sounds like it's up my alley. I think it might be, yeah. Yeah. So as a reminder, we can find The Black Phone either streaming on Peacock or I do think you can uh, rent it on VOD and it is available on physical media as well. Mm-hmm. And you can find Do Revenge on Netflix. Cool. So next week, we're going to be talking about some more great pop culture stuff. So be sure to join us then. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Gessner. And me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. You can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store, as well as our email, PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.